season two of the process podcast will have a Derek Bampo original as the music track to go into it. That's the vibe we're going for now. It's going to bring the mood very much down. (laughs) (laughs) As as if I'm the one raising the bar. Welcome to the Process Podcast. There's no intro planned or scheduled. There never will be, but it's a vibe. We like the vibe. That's what we're here for. And speaking of what we're here for, I am your host, Tyrone Lewis, and you're clearly here for me, obviously. But also, we've got a wonderful guest on on me, with me. Wow, phrasing this. We've got a wonderful guest with me today. I can do words. Hello, As guest. Hello, guest. Hi. Guest is Derek Bampo. Hello. Hello, Derek. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. Feeling good. Feeling good. Nice. Cool. So the way I've been starting all of these podcasts, I say all of them, most of these podcasts, is going over how I first met the person I'm uh, talking to. Of course. And ours is both a good one, but also an awkward one. And the thing <clears> of like, I say awkward in as much as, cool, we went to secondary school together, so we've got that. I can't tell you when we met in secondary school. I can just about tell you some secondary school moments, but, like, I can't go for, like, oh, there was that one time in maths class and... No, because you're always in set one, and I was not smart enough to be in set one. (laughs) Okay, you can get it that way. I was just going to go for it. It was just a blur of people, but no, you go for, like, sets and all that stuff. I mean, I remember the science ones, so we were in the same classes with that but besides that no it's a mystery as to how we actually became friends it's just we just got squished together we i definitely feel like tumblr paid a part in it mm. both bef- meetups and before the meet no myspace actually was first myspace first yeah yes. yeah yeah around 2006 2007 i think we all like launched onto that and then yeah tumblr i think after sixth form was when that picked yeah. up wasn't it and then we got yeah back onto hanging out all the time Oh yeah, social media before social media was cool, or known as social media. Yeah, I think it was cool, I mean, at the time. (laughs) You you know what I mean by before it was cool. Like, it was not... That's true. It was not the thing it is today. It was not quite overthrowing society. You couldn't really make money off it, in that sense. No, you could start launching your internet career, you could start being your first jam jars and all of that side of it. You got your first couple of influences. Tumblr Famous, all that jazz. But... It wasn't the same as it is today, no, not no. quite. Mm-mm. But yeah, social media definitely kept us in touch, which was a nice thing. Yeah. And then it kept going from there. It just kept and going. One thing led, led to another, you know, the rest is history. <laughs> as the tears all the time. Oh, God. I don't know if I have the rights to put in Beauty and the Beast here. Yeah, I know. Here. That's a copyright. We don't want to get Disney showing this down, I'm afraid. Sorry. Uh, I mean, that, I was talking to George Lawrence on the podcast the other day, and that was the thing. I was like, we're talking about getting copyright strikes and that would be good promo for the podcast uh, it's like, yeah. it would be but also no let's not do that let's not <laughs> play into that but if I am playing into the podcast game we're doing sections and all that side of things so we're going to have some intro not intro we're going to have some interstitial music coming on if you have a title card as we go into our first section called Timelines <laughs> So with the timeline section, I like to go into someone's past, present, and future. And at least for today, not them saying you aren't one every day, but for today, we are probably going to feature you as musician. So for you, and I don't actually properly ask this question, as I realise the more and more I do mm. this, I don't ask this question to people naturally. How did you first get into music? Oh, well, uh, so this is, I think, going back quite a while actually so firstly my sisters were both in the brass band um i cannot play a brass instrument for my life so i had no hope getting into one of those but music was kind of always in the house in some ways not in the not in the sense of my parents were into it but like they just happened to have that skill uh so there, there was kind of an aptitude there and then getting into sixth form uh a few of my friends started playing like the drums and stuff like that but i was like you know what I'm not gonna be able to play the drums at home. Like uh, my my room is a, <laughs> my room is literally the size of a prison cell. I need something that's like a little bit compact and. I'm actually... not gonna accuse the question literally. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so I was thinking, actually, maybe let's go for something a little bit, you know, versatile, utilization wise. Um, so people kind of made comments about like the size of my fingers and how long they are. So I was like, okay, that kind of narrows me down to, yeah, (laughs) that kind of narrows me down to piano or bass. And then this is all happening around like 
2010 or so, and that year, Scott Pilgrim vs. Thor comes out. Ah, watershed moment for me. Uh, Michael Cera, as cool as he is, um, looked so badass. Surprisingly, with the with the Rickenbacker bass, and I, I was enamored. Like, I mean, it's Edgar Wright, so genius directing and storytelling of uh, by Liam Malley. So that captured me pretty soon. And that year, I was like, that get me the cheapest bass and combo you can off Amazon and I'm just going to give it a go. Uh, so that started going well for about a year or so. And then uh, I think meetups were beginning to happen around like 2011 or so when I was like learning. And I was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to like also play guitar because people are bringing their guitars to things now and that's apparently a thing that's cool so let me try that and you know what they say about getting girls but like that was never actually a thing that was gonna work for me so uh i was like you know what fuck it let's just try play guitar and then 2011 i picked it up and yeah i just caught on to it really really easily and um just picked it up and learned all my favorite songs and then i was like you know what why don't i try learning how to write my own songs uh, which was an endeavor, to say the least. I think it's been 10 years or so now, and I still don't think I'm, like, the best songwriter in the world, obviously, but it's it's improved, which is good. And, like, in general, like, you've always basically been a fan of music at the very least. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, a few of my earliest memories was watching, you know, The Bucks and Smash Hits and uh, just catching stuff like that. I think I remember being maybe five or six years old and the Prodigy's uh, Firestarter coming up on the screen and just being like, wow, this is absolutely crazy. And cutting through all the, like, bubblegum pop of the time, it just, it's one of those, like, moments where you're like, okay, I, I know where I'm headed in that I'm liking the alternative sounds, you know? Not, so, But not to go too... It feels almost too cliche mainstream interview as a question, but, like, we've mentioned, like, the, the prodigy. Also, like, I know of your, like, love of Bowie and all stuff like that. I think of, like, in the broadest sense, in the most stereotypical senses generally not what is considered black music yeah (laughs) (laughs) that was the whole thing i i remember that being in school um when we were like blasting out like block party and stuff like that on our our phones and i mean they had a black member they had a black member (laughs) so i was like of course i'm gonna like them if i had known about like bands like tv on the radio and all those other guys i would have like been a lot more confident with that kind of stuff but it was on the fifa soundtrack so you know, they made us like it. <laughs> See, I can't even be, I can't even make any comments about that. Like, so much of my personality from my from being twelve to sixteen mm. was shaped by whatever was on the WWE versus SmackDown soundtrack, oh. versus SmackDown soundtracks. Yeah, and Burnout, and Burnout. Yeah, and you know, and Tony Hawk's was together as yes. well. Um, I don't know how well a lot of that has aged, but yeah, I oh. think those are all formative, weren't they? I have got Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 on PS5 now I haven't yet played it back yet because of the thing of like am I gonna reg- not regret this but like cool it's got the massive shiny upgrade now it's like yeah I, it's, uh, it's gonna disappoint me isn't it like like yeah I, I reviews are all good and it's like but it's not gonna be the same is it it's not gonna be the same no like I was thinking like it would be cool to play like Crash Bandicoot or like Tomb Raider or something like that again oh. but I don't know if it's going to hold up again got Crash Bandicoot as well <laughs> I think what got me a Crash Bandicoot was in I want to say Uncharted 4 I might be Uncharted 5 in the PS5 Uncharted mm. game the start of the game it puts you through Nathan Drake's real life as he's doing his real job yeah. and there's one part where he goes home and just starts playing PlayStation <laughs> and he starts playing Crash Bandicoot no way. which you then start playing uh-huh. which is weird what? Like, it's because it's a Naughty Dog game they can oh, do of that course. but it's that thing of like I'm an hour into this game and I'm now playing Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> this feels both the coolest thing ever and fucking weird. That is pretty weird. That's like Inception, like dream level uh-huh. stuff. Like you can get lost in there. Uh, speaking of getting lost, I'm getting lost into what this podcast is about. And like, there's Sorry. a different section. No, this that's not me and talking about video game soundtracks. But if that was your past in music, what is your present then? Yeah, present really is just just writing, just producing as much as possible. Um, I'm learning to produce my own stuff now, which is quite good. Um, you know, spending as much money on Ableton as possible, and uh, seeing how far my limits are really, and just experimenting really. Um, so right now I'm kind of 
in the middle of working on a couple of EPs. Uh, I've, I've really taken to the, the short form of producing music like that. It just, one captures the uh, low attention spans of the general public. <laughs> Not anyone's fault. It just, that's what's happened. <laughs> and it's just kind of easy to compartmentalize a lot of these like ideas that I've got without having to drag them on too long. So I can kind of explore different sounds and like textures and just like box them into like four or five, maybe 12 to 15 minute like sections and then move on to the next thing. I mean, part of that might be my Sagittarius, like I can't stick with one thing energy, but uh, it's, it's working. It's going well. There will be another podcast episode where we will properly talk over star signs, etc. But that is not today's. That's good. I'm not an expert. (laughs) (laughs) I just know what my wife knows. And that's only a little bit. (laughs) Well, like, obviously, like, with your music stuff, obviously, while you're doing some stuff solo-wise, you've also been in and out of working out bands and freaking out. I guess, where is the current state of any bands or working together with people? Yeah, I'm in one right now that has been in place since about March last year. Um, so we've been rehearsing for quite a while now. Um, so we're hoping to play some shows fairly soon. I'm hoping, uh, before the end of the year, we at least play something. (laughs) So, um, but it's it's going well. I think this is one of the most promising bands I've been in. Um, my last like good band ended quite acrimoniously and suddenly in 20, 2021, uh, even though that was going so well, so. You, you survived the first part of the pandemic. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it was weird starting a band in the pandemic, actually. Like, I remember picking that last band up in 2020 just because we had, like, a sliver of freedom and I was like, I need to get out of the house. I need to do something. So I will hang out with any stranger <laughs> just to, like, play some instruments, just to, like, be in the room with people and uh, ex- in the explore. Room where it happens. Yeah, exactly, you know? Um, so I think when you're locked in for months on end... You want to try and do as much as you can with other people. And that was a good way out. And I think people did take to it, the little like bits of snippets of music that we had. Um, so it was nice to get back into the swing of that. And even though that's ended, it's nice to be in another band that's going fairly well. And I think everybody likes the sound of it within that band. And we've only shown one or two people what it actually sounds like, but they've sung our praises. So I'm sure... When we actually do play live, that it'll be good. I will definitely have to come back to you later on this podcast about the differences between the band and poetry stuff because, mm. like, so saying out loud for myself to remind myself to come back to it later, there's a whole conversation of doing so much in private before an audience, whereas obviously poetry, I'm so much of it is open mic. I wrote, I wrote this one on the bus here. Here you go. <laughs> also, there's like no limits on like poetry you can just write on your phone or on paper whereas i think uh music has quite a level of um it's difficult to attain a certain degree of quality and instruments cost so much like getting digital audio workstations cost a lot uh samples and all that kind of jazz it all like mounts up so there's definitely like uh blockers i guess you could say to to becoming a, a good musician in this day and age, which is a shame in a way, but poetry is good for be able to like have that access for everybody to just jump on and say their thing, really. Yeah, for sure. And I guess now that is kind of almost segues then into the future section and like with the music stuff, it sounds like the band is a thing that hopefully can grow into something in the future. Yeah. But just in general, what are your future goals? Is there like a checklist, bucket list for what you want in the future music wise, uh, or is it just seeing where well, it all goes I mean, and I, vibes I, I think, and stuff? I think everybody kind of wants some level of notoriety. Um, I think there's an element of how much am I willing to market myself to try and attain <laughs> that level of All denim look again. I need the all denim look again. <laughs> yeah, honestly, maybe. I, I need to start putting my face on things and um, doing music videos and stuff. Actually, that would be really, really cool is if I could get some of my songs on like soundtracks or videos or something like that. If I could like get it even sampled by like another artist or whatever remixed um so just kind of putting it out in the world and people taking some notice of it i don't need to get world famous that's cool i just uh would like a little bit more traction i guess would be 
the way forward. Season two of the process po- uh, wow. Season two of the process podcast will have a Derek Bampo original as the music track to go into it. That's the vibe we're going for now. It's gonna bring the mood very oh. much down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as, as, as if I'm the one raising the bar in that kind of way, but just this like dark, sullen, experimental music that's like rumbling in the background when we're trying to like have a good time here I mean have you listened have you been to poetry events that dark solemn stuff you know what that's a very very good point there is some sad shit people say on poetry poetry nights and uh, you leave and just like I'm a changed man I am pain changes people you know so to be honest yeah it it would fit the bill well like it's like that's what it's like I guess that kind of covers some of the future things. But like with that, there's like, ha- what is there any like process to get into that future goal? Is it just a level of just to keep working till it goes, or is it a thing yeah. of like hit this event to get to that event to get to that? Uh, or oof. well, I mean, I think for being in a band, it's nice in that like you can share that load, and uh, it really depends on how game everybody is. And I think when you're playing go when you're playing shows and stuff like that, um, that naturally will come when you're trying to build an audience and promoting on social media. So we're not quite there yet, but when that opportunity does come, I think it's just about hitting the road and trying to play as many shows as possible and uh, trying to write as many good songs as possible. Uh, Solo stuff, I think it's a bit more low key. I can just kind of relax with it. So I don't really need to like go to events or like really push it on people. It's more just, I'm doing this for me. Uh, If people take notice of it, that's great. If not, that's cool. I'm really getting some self-fulfillment out of it myself. So that's the that's the end goal more than anything. Like, given that you have slowly started to be putting little bits out here and there, like, looking at... Oh, as someone who's not that familiar with the scene, etc., mm. it looks like with things like Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, Patreon, all the influencer content creator first platform etc yeah whilst many a con about them it also does feel like there's an easier place for artists to get their work out does that seem like it's a helpful thing for you in that kind of way or is it still a level of like i can put it out there but no one's gonna listen to it (laughs) it's a double-edged sword isn't it because it's out there as easy as possible now but I think that also means there's a much crowded crowded market than there used to be before. So when you're trying to get some sliver of a niche or a space for your original sounds, there's 500 people like uploading stuff, maybe the same hour, you know, also trying to get like a piece of the pie. So uh, trying to get like noticed is a bit harder, I'd say, going forward, but I don't know to be honest because I think people used to rely on like labels and stuff like that now so in in the past so I think now you have like complete control you can do whatever you want you get all the royalties if you make enough like streams off it so it's kind of like a win and a loss at the exact same time um so getting getting access to things like Spotify and getting my stuff out there is is pretty good just for where, where I'm at right now it was that thing of like even just setting up this podcast that thing of like how much actually is it going to be to set up a podcast and mm. what I have to do to like sign up to Spotify etc like, oh it's literally just free you yeah. just do it oh that's easy and it's cool almost worryingly easy of like yeah you know does it ever make you want to just keep just putting out little like demo tracks here and there like here's something I don't care we're done <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I don't know I think there's still an element of like I want to put like quality stuff up there I want it to be like official when it goes up and what's up there I'm like that's it it's, it's up there I mean I've tried to consider putting old demos and stuff like that up in the past but I just don't see the worth of it because you know it's going to be a library of your whole work and I think you want to put your best foot forward especially when you're starting out maybe if you get a little bit more established then people might want to hear like the sketches and the demos and stuff like that just to get an idea of like how you came to the process of making this like big hit song but as someone that's like completely new to the scene in sense then I think it's preferable to put your best stuff out there first and uh, see where that takes you Fair enough then, and that will end our timeline section. I don't have music to end the sections yet. I haven't quite got to there, <laughs> but I have music to start the new sections. And speaking of new sections, mm-hmm. we're going to go into the new... Like, it's not new, I've been doing it for every single episode of this podcast, but new to this episode, <laughs> the next thing on this episode will be the section called Let's Talk About. So let's talk about some shit. Cool. 
so whilst the name of this podcast does not quite have poetry in the title, we also still acknowledge <laughs> this is essentially a poetry podcast, so let's talk about poetry. Awesome. So just to confirm, are you a poet? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> so... What is your relationship to poetry at the moment, then, would you say? Uh, at the moment, I think there's a tenuous link between uh, the stuff that I do and poetry as a whole. Um, so obviously I write lyrics for the stuff I produce, which has poetic elements to it. But I think spoken word poetry is a different vibe than just writing words, because uh, when you're writing lyrics, you can repeat things as much as possible. You can do the most like insane thing, whereas... I think spoken word there's an element of like you're presenting this to people it needs to like hit in a certain way if that's like emotive or just like in your skills of like yeah wordplay and stuff like that so uh but i want to say i'm a poet no i mean being shady i can talk about lots of poets that don't do the whole thing <laughs> in a certain way kind of thing but that's yeah that's no, true i mean that's the whole thing of like it's it's spoken word is there an element of like, should you have your phone on you? Should you like be trying to amp up the audience? Like, is it more pertaining to like how it is in slams? Or sh- if, if you're doing like open mics, I guess it's a bit more low key. So you don't need to like have that much like bravado. But uh, I think spoken word kind of lends itself to the spoken word. So it's about like how you raise your voice and how you want people to hear you, isn't it? Oh, yeah. So, like, as primarily an audience member in these shows then like what is your experience to go into shows of being an audience member like i'm assuming hopefully given that i dragged you to a few of them that you like them <laughs> enough but what is your just general experience of yeah. going to shows yeah i mean mostly pretty good um yeah i mean obviously i haven't got the much experience of like going to slams and stuff like that really but going to open mics and going to shows where we have features and stuff like that it's been quite good um, it's been nice seeing the kind of level of poetry that's out there. And I, I know there's a whole thing with like the London voice and it can get kind of tedious when people uh, effectively celebrate themselves. But <laughs> yes. uh, that, that's okay. I mean, I think going to shows as I have in the last like 10 years or so, um, people have been quite welcoming. Even if you aren't a poet, they've, they've like taken you in and they... they love to hang out and stuff like that so um but the poets themselves have been solid solid people solid poets poems themselves and it's been good yeah i think one of the commonalities that poets talk about is that so many poetry nights open mics especially tends to be poets performing to other poets mm. and there's definitely a comment to the whole thing of like we are staying in our own circles a little bit too much talking to ourselves too much so as in some level of neutral party and there's part of me that wants to make you the voice of every single audience (laughs) member ever but also you are just one person but like you as an audience member going to these shows what do you like in poetry what are you enjoying what makes you go like oh this poem was good or this poet was good well that's a good question um i think a lot of it is just how the the topics just like hit you know um and it could be as wide ranging as possible i think that's one thing that encapsulates me is just like how vast the the kind of like elements of poetry can be you know people can be talking about like relationships or something that happened to them literally two seconds ago you know it's it's that like breadth of um poetry and the the skill that it takes to be able to like go up there and discuss these like often hard-hitting topics to a room full of people really exposing yourself in that way it's a very brave thing to do and it's remarkable how people are able to like generate such a such a following almost you know to to how they've uh, presented these just like random things in their lives and like i guess especially for personal opinions like the things like what specifically or personally for you are the things like that is a topic that gets to me or that is something that they do that gets to me like 
Oh, do we need like standout things of like, oh, that person referenced Adventure Time, therefore <laughs> I'm gonna freaking be falling in love with all. Yeah, the level I of mean, this. you know, I love pop culture, so <laughs> <laughs> that that that's helpful in the sense of your poetry, for example. Getting getting those references is always good, um, but they don't need to be like as front forward as as yours sometimes can be. <laughs> <laughs> they they can be quite like niche and subtle, and I think yeah, I mean, a lot of it is just like how they like frame most simple things into such a beautiful like stream or melody um almost so uh yeah it's, it's just kind of the way it's presented more than anything it's just not so much the content but like just the way it comes out and now obviously because you've got the whole music world and i know you go to lots of music nights of all different levels yeah just in terms of how the nights are run how what are the main differences you're noticing between the nights uh, I think, I mean, a, a big critique of music nights, I would say, is that you get bands that show up and they'll have a vague amount of following or because we need to get people through the door to, like, get on the show, um, I guess you, you'll have an instance where fans will show up to play uh, or to watch their band play and then as soon as their band's done, they're gone. Out the door, it's it's empty for everybody else. Even if you're the headliner, like you could be like playing the best song of your lives, having the best time, and it it could be to like five people. Uh, so that that is quite hard. Um, but I guess yeah, and in, in poetry, it's it's it can be a little bit like that as well. In that there are people that are there for you, and then their attention span kind of wanders when it's not you. Uh, so. Uh, that, that's a fake similarity. I think a difference would be that it's a bit more engaging music, I guess, because it's it's loud, it's visceral, it's, it's right in your face, and you can you can like often stream it later if if they're on Spotify or something like that. You know, you can you can get that kind of like relationship built a, a bit quicker than um, than poetry, but. I think with people releasing books and stuff like that, it's 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 getting back into that like physical form as well. So there's an element of, you know, you are getting a piece of that person's entire life with you when you take those like stories. So yeah, vague, vague differences, vague similarities, but they they aren't too dissimilar all in all. Well, that's actually kind of a nice thing to talk about there, and the whole thing of like obviously music nights have their own open mic nights, or at the very least some level of invitation and stuff as well, etc. Mm. But like as you were talking about in the last section, so much of the musicians getting ready is so much practice beforehand and getting the right yeah. gear, spending time in the studio and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. There's obviously poetry. You just get off a bus and you just come to the poetry night, kind <laughs> of things. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that music is the better for that or the worst for that? Or is that just level? It's just how it is because music is needing uh, yeah. instruments, etc. I mean, that's a tough one. I think it goes back to the, the point I was making before about like access because you have to go through all these like hurdles, it's not something that everybody can do, especially if you don't have the money. Uh, money is a big thing because these instruments aren't cheap and studio time isn't cheap and rehearsing also isn't cheap. So to be able to do that and then present to a crowd full of people or a crowd full of no people uh, is, is challenging in its own way. Whereas poetry has an element of you can just jump in like without any sort of preparation. But I think quite a lot of the like professionals or experts will have some sort of like, yeah, I've rehearsed this. I, I don't need to look at my phone. I know exactly what I'm saying. Uh, I've got like a character that I'm presenting as well. So um, it kind of works both ways. You know, I think they are like innately similar. Um, it's just there is different ways of getting to that stage. Yeah, and I, I guess without naturally i'm not going to chastise you for any of this side of things but like then as a neutral person going to mm. watch this kind of i say neutral as neutral as you can be watching yeah. this kind of stuff like if for example someone goes up to a poetry night and goes yeah i wrote this poem on the way here does that change for you how you're going to view that poem like not really because i'm more likely just to shout new shit <laughs> 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 you know like i think it doesn't really matter when or how they did it um it's the same as like most people writing songs, like some people come up with stuff, at, you know, in dreams. Some people come up with stuff like on the cuff. Like it can just be improvised. Like there's there's no real hard and fast rule as to how you're supposed to be creative. So if they wrote on the bus and they were able to perform it to a 
decent degree, then that's all that really matters. And then like with that as well, then like I'm assuming similar then for someone that like, brings out their phone or whatever and reads it from that, like it doesn't change too much for you as long as they're performing it, I guess. Yeah, no, I don't think it really changes that much. I mean, obviously it's it really goes to like what does spoken word mean? Like what is the definition? And that kind of changes to person to person. So it could just be, yeah, you're reading off your phone, it's a decent poem, or you are speaking in a very like grandeur manner. Um, but if if it means what it means to you, then that's all that really matters. Nice. And like, obviously you already kind of referenced beforehand in the last section again as well, that whole idea of like some poach nights can be very heavy and can yeah. make you leave a changed person, etc. Like, yeah, I guess without, again, is, does that for the most part a good or bad thing or just a thing that happens, would you say? like uh, I think it's just a thing that happens. Like, I don't think that has happened at every single poach night I've been to. Like, it may just be the personal nature of poetry just lends itself to people dredging up certain like emotions or certain like aspects of the life that like they wouldn't really normally talk about in like standard conversation. Um, but I think that's cool. Like that's a brave thing to do to be able to like bring something that might have really, really affected your past or changed how you like function in the world and to talk about that in such an artful way is quite impeccable to be honest. Like to change your you're, you're hurt into uh, something that is like powerful and speaks to other people. I think it's that's the main thing that like is a good takeaway for poetry for a neutral like me. And I guess like it's gone that whole neutral side of things. And I guess I know that so many nights have been a level of I'm bringing you it to a night or like mm-hmm. I'm running. So there's definitely that part of it. So yeah. like outside of nights that I'm involved in or Demi is involved in or something like that kind of thing. Like, is there anything about a poetry night that would make you more inclined to coming than not? Like, is it the oh. venue? Is it the location? Is it the type of night? Is it uh, what would kind of get you to a poetry event more than something else? I, I probably, I mean, location's obviously a big thing because it really all depends on like where a lot of these poets are based. You know, you want to be able to get as many people through the door as possible. Um, so if they are having to be all in East London because that's just where the circle of poets are, then that's that's fine. Um, but it's not always the easiest place to get to. So location is obviously like an element. But um, no, I don't think there's any particular thing that like would draw me in just like nationally. Like open mics are fine. Um, they, they do range in quality, so <laughs> there's no one of that. I mean, if I if I knew someone that I was a fan of their poetry was going to perform, then I'd probably be more inclined. So there, there is, like, yeah, an element of, like, you want to support the person that you know. Um, but with that, you know, you, you, you turn up and you suddenly hear someone's poetry and you're like, actually, I become a fan just in the second of this person I didn't really expect to be a fan of. So... It doesn't really matter who you go for or, or why or when. It's just um, the, the chance that you could like get to know someone's poetry and have that speak to you in that moment. And again, putting you on the spot of the voice of everyone. <laughs> um, I was talking to... I was minding Kayla about this the other day. Mm. And like... Cause like so actually, two things first. One, I have actually brought you to a poetry slam yet. I don't think you have. I mean, I, mean, oh, I don't know. Maybe once or twice, but it's been a while because yeah like the whole thing I was going to bring up was the idea that like I want to say it was the late 80s mid 80s that Poetry Mm. Slams first started and Mm -hmm. at least to my knowledge they were started by a guy called Mark Smith in um, Chicago and the whole point was to give something back to the audience because poetry at least at that time just before then was Mm. such a academic artsy farty yeah kind of like Allen Ginsberg-y kind of yeah yeah kind of thing stuff, yeah and not to say that's bad but a level yeah. of it was just that and not much with the people in that yeah, kind of yeah. way so part of the idea of poetry slam was to give it more to the people mm-hmm. and at least anecdotally but I also think I don't want to say call it a fact because it's not a fact fact but like mm. anecdotally looking at the scene whilst open mic nights do get a crowd going back to what I was saying earlier, a level of mm. poetry slams tend to get crowds that are filled with more general public than open mic nights. So speaking for all of audiences everywhere, <laughs> yep. why do you think that's the thing? Uh, I think it's probably the competition aspect. That's something that 
people are just aware of, like naturally, like people have always wanted to see uh, creators or people who with a skill battle it out in some ways. If it's not gladiators in the Colosseum, it's it's poets doing their poetry, uh, or, or even battle of the bands. Like that's something that's always just happened, um, and it's hard to like quantify or qualify art in that way because you know it really just depends on how it affects you but that is just kind of how it is with all kind of criticism of um creative aspects and outlets so um i think people are just drawn to to deciding um what they like best and talking to their friends or their partners and kind of having that deliberation with like oh this one really hit me in one way oh this one didn't hit me so much like I can see why it did for you, but like for me, it just wasn't really my my jam. Um, so that's the kind of like discussion that fosters, I think, people wanting to go to these things. And um, yeah, I, I presume that slams is just uh, it's entertainment, right? And like, I guess as I slowly move into, let's talk about music. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being how audiences can not take into poetry, but like that being a big chunk of getting audiences back into poetry, like then obviously you got more open mic nights and spoken word became much more of a prominent thing. Mm. You've now, I think nowadays, you've just in general got more nights that are trying to test and do things differently. So like at, uh, at the time of recording that I can remember, <laughs> you've got some nights in the scene that are like, up in Scotland, you've got loud poets. Mm-hmm. In London, you've got London slash touring. You've got Tung Fu. Definitely in London, you've got Grooveverse. Mm. You've got Poach Nights, which are trying to... Not trying to, that sounds bad. Which are <laughs> actively yeah. including music uh, with poetry. Right, right, right. And, like, so much that is arguably... Like, Tung Fu and Grooveverse especially are actively more jazz based improv mm. etc mm. I don't know if I've actually taken you to one but like just in no, general no, like yeah. thoughts on the idea of combining music with poetry especially in a kind of improv way uh, I think it's cool I mean it's it's I guess you could say it's a novelty it's the novelty aspect of it that's quite intriguing because it's fusing like two creative outlets together and uh, I think I mean it really depends on the kind of jazz you listen to but if it's going to be like <laughs> smooth improv jazz then it's not really going to distract from what the poet's saying as opposed to if it was you know monal jazz where people are changing keys every single second or whatever uh, so I think it's it's a nice fusion like it's the kind of thing where I can see that being an easy way to draw people in because people are vaguely familiar with jazz people are vaguely familiar with poetry so one plus one equals two that's two things that they kind of have an idea of that like amounts to something a bit more. Um, but I mean, that's not to say that that's exactly how it should be for every single night. Like that's just what works for certain people. And uh, if it's too much of a distraction, then it doesn't really think, I don't really think it's necessary for, for music to be a function when you're listening to poetry. But if it helps people getting into the scene to get into the scene, then there's nothing wrong with it at all. I think it's cool. Nice. And now I guess focusing on the music side of things for you mm. then, like, why why in general has music been, like, your creative outlet? Like, obviously, we had the whole Scott Pilgrim awakening. Yeah, yeah, but, like, just, like, the physicality of it, I think, is maybe the other element of that. And um, be able to have something in such a neat package like that that you can, like, dissect and take away certain elements of um, is probably my biggest thing. Uh, just be able to like consider your life in in realm with like what these artists have put out in the in their certain periods of time and how that like applies to you is one of the biggest things for me just uh just to compare how they've like lived their lives as well and what that means for me um but yeah, I think a lot of it is also, yeah, the, the physicality. It's, it's being in the room with people. It's getting sweaty. It's, like, really hammering out, like, these cool riffs. I think that's another thing, actually, is just being able to, like, make something cool and, <laughs> and fresh and experimenting and trying to just make the most odd, weird sounds as possible. Um, that's just not something I could really do in any other field, so... Um, and, you know, I, I, used to, I used to draw, like... A lot. You remember this? <laughs> that was like my big thing, and I I hit a wall when I was like seventeen or so because I wasn't really the kind of person that could create stuff. 
Um, whereas when music came into my life, it was just like uh, I can create something out of complete nothing, and it can take like minutes to seconds, like to just think of an idea and then put it to to paper or or start strumming a guitar or start like tapping some keys on the, on the on the laptop. So um, yeah, there is an element of just like it just works for me. And like with the creating stuff, like obviously you've got you're talking about songwriting as well, but obviously not everything you do is always with lyrics, etc. Mm-hmm. Like I guess what for you prompts lyrics to come to stuff or like what is like no this one just doesn't need lyrics at all. Like is there a different oh. mindset or view or is it just a level of just vibes? The weather day is vibes. Uh, I think part of it is like looking back at what I've done in the past and just thinking about where there is a gap that I haven't quite accessed yet. So sometimes some some songs don't need like vocals, they don't need instrumentals. I mean, part of it may also be that I'm just lazy. <laughs> and like, to be honest, you can put like words on anything, even if it's spoken, like even if you're just screaming into the mic for like a minute or two, you can do anything. But sometimes it's nice just to like pull that back and focus on like the instrumentals and just like what's the, the, the sound design really, um, which sometimes vocals can take away from. Um, because like there are so many like talented producers out there in the world, and you get you get a bit sidelined um, when the voice comes on. It's all about like that element, which is just one particular factor of music, isn't it? Like, and sometimes it's the thing that can put people off, you know. So um, being able to like stretch those creative muscles and think, okay, this is just something that doesn't really need words right now is it's important for me to try. Nice, and like, I guess going on from that, like, whether musically or lyrically, I know we've already touched a bit, obviously, clearly mm-hmm. in the last section, a bit of your future, but like, yeah. with the music stuff, is like, what are, the, again, as someone who's not that familiar or versed in the music stage, mm-hmm. the music scene level of like, mm-hmm. I would assume with everything, like, with poetry, is always level of getting better and improving. So, mm-hmm. like, musically, is, is it still the same thing? I'm basically always just trying to get a better and improve. And, like, what is there oh, to get yeah. better and improve at? Almost certainly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is no way I could get, like, as good as I really, really want to be um, in a quick way. It's all just, like, learning something new every single day. And a lot of that just comes with practicing and just, like, absorbing other people's, like, musics and um just just seeing what kind of like things are out there uh as well as learning theory is something that i feel like always kind of battled with in my mind because i i have no real like uh professional understanding of like music it's just been completely off the cuff and like on vibes only and just like using my ears most, more than anything but i know that there's an element of if i knew exactly what i'm doing um, technically, then that might be able to like get me into certain spaces which I'm not right now. For example, if I ever wanted to like pivot into soundtracking, it might be useful to like have some more theory knowledge to be able to say, okay, this kind of needs this, this kind of needs that. Um, and it's helpful if you're like wanting to get people who are classically trained into your space. You know, it's a language that they understand, and you want to be able to like translate your ideas to them easily so i think that's something i would have to consider really hard if i wanted to to progress in any any way but i think a lot of it is just like trying to trial and error just doing more than anything just creating non-stop um because there are certain things you just like fiddle around with on on like ableton or whatever and then you're like, oh, I didn't realize that's how you did that. And it's, a lot of it's just like listening back to things and saying, oh, how do you, how did they do this? How did they do that? And trying it yourself. And you're not always going to come up with exactly what they did, but that's exactly how you get something new. It's just trying to do something, failing, but in that failure, you're creating something completely fresh. And that's that's exciting to me. Getting close to wrapping up this section and doing that fun interview thing of asking a question where I think I pretty much know the answer, but mm. still going to ask it anyway. I was talking to Demi about this, and I've talked to mm. George about this in our own separate tangents of it. Of like, 
when you're involved in that media, you seem to analyse it and critique it more. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, yes, we talk, talk to Demi about like as she does more acting, is she now more critical of people's acting and performances? Talking to George about like how like when we're as media people, we're more critical of media, etc. Yeah. As poets, I feel as well. When we go to poetry events, we are more aware of poetry techniques and things being used. Mm. So, like, as a musician, given obviously how very mainstream music is. Does being a musician yourself make it hard to just listen to music and just listen to it and appreciate it? It was always a bit of you just like, I'm listening to how they're making it and creating it and doing that side <laughs> of things. Yeah, that, that's definitely a big, big part. You're always kind of like studying as opposed to always enjoying things. I mean, not that I can't just like put on a song and say, oh, this is just a great tune. I love hearing this thing. Like it just like makes my ears tickle. Um, but I think you can just switch on to how the heck do they do that? why they're doing that you know because i do that even um so uh there there is a uh, there is a factor of yeah you can't really turn off that brain sometimes when you're like in the creative mode especially um because you're always trying to like absorb ideas trying to get like what's fresh what's cool um so yeah it's it's difficult and that's also the case when you're watching bands live you're like is this is this riff stuck you know, there's there's a whole thing in um, Metallica, some kind of anger where they're discussing like riffs and stuff like that, and Lars is like hammering James Hetfield. He's just like, this, this sounds stark. Like it's just it's not a good riff, and ended up they ended up creating a, a terrible album out of it. So it's just the nature of you can you can turn off that that side of you sometimes, but when you're engaged in a certain way, especially when you're reflecting on your own creative like pursuits uh yeah you do kind of get stuck in uh, i need to like get to this level or, or this this kind of sucks because i've heard it before a million times my last question for you though on this and sticking vaguely on that kind of topic is not to call myself out but to call myself out on things mm. the amount of times i've seen some poetry thing and it's like that feels very cliche and on the nose yeah. or whatever yeah but people love it and it gets all the likes, yeah. gets all the scores, etc. Yeah, yeah. Do you get that feeling with some music sometimes of like, you hear a song and everyone else is like, oh my God, that's incredible and amazing. You're like, that's basic as shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what? I think... <laughs> <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I think I've come back around. So I think when I was first listening to music and when I was first beginning to create music, I, I did kind of have a an uppity kind of, you know, perception for like pop music. But now I've come around to, for example, thinking Britney Spears is like a marvel. You know, stuff like how they created Toxic is like literally ingenious, you know? So um, the, there is a talent to being that catchy and that like cliche almost um, because they're, they're taking like pretty standard rules and maybe fucking with one or two things and that's how you get like a hit song. Um, but you need something that's a bit familiar. And right now, I'm obviously not in the mind to create something that's, like, that poppy, but certain, certain parts of, like, what I do, you know, pick things out from there, and they're like, you know, that's that's cool. That's interesting. Why don't I, like, borrow that and see what that kind of does? Uh, so there's nothing wrong with, like, stuff that is a bit cliche and a bit standard, although at the same time, I'm still not, like... I'm not a Taylor Swift fan. Like, <laughs> like she, she oh, is God, you're going to get cancelled. <laughs> you know, she is a bit standard for me, but, you know, at the same time, she's also doing, like, 10-minute long songs, which is progressive. So, yeah, there, there's an element of, like, you can get a bit, like, dry and boring with a lot of mainstream music, but that's not to say that there, there aren't, like, things you can pull out from it that are special. You know, like, some of the best artists in the world were, were were basic as hell and that's okay that's a nice note to end this section on <laughs> but now with that we have this arguably planned section we're now going to go into the chaos that is going to be slow fire questions oh boy and now we come on to our slow fire question section as fans of the channel because we have some of them <laughs> don't we of course <laughs> um as fans of the channel may know we obviously do our quick fire question section i will ask people as many questions as i can in three minutes out of the list i've got 
but some of those answers in the quick finance is like that's really cool but I want to hear more of it mm. I designed it to be quick so it's my own fault and my own thing that I have to bear but cool. now that I've got the time to not do that I think I always had the time to not do that now that I'm choosing to have the time to not do that we're not doing that I don't know how many we're going to get through sure. I've been saying five but then I just go with the flow and the vibe mm. of all this so yeah. We'll see how fun or whatever this goes, but if you can give me a number between one and a hundred and we'll go randomly from there. Oh, okay, 42. 42. Will poetry ever be mainstream? Uh, I think part of it is already mainstream. If we're talking about like the names from the past, such as like I mentioned Allen Ginsberg before, I think that's a mainstream name. Um, spoken word itself is another story. Um, but I, I think there is a possibility of it becoming mainstream. It really just depends on how how influencers, for example, take it up. I and don't want to rely on the influencers. I know, but that's almost how you need for any sort of like creative outlet. You need someone who just has like that backing already to to you know be enamored with this kind of thing. And it, I mean, it can almost easily switch to having a lot of focus. So be prepared for someone to do that. I mean, it is that whole thing of finding your love-hate relationship with Reapy Core, etc. Uh, yeah, and yeah. that thing of like, I don't, I personally don't like the approach that much, but I also respect that it's uh, getting people in the door. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one because that kind of stuff can get memed so easily. You know, like, <laughs> Have you seen her perform? I actually haven't. There were some TikToks of her reading her own poems. Wild. Oh, wild oh no does she like say the spaces oh it's 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 a lot of up and down and hand movements of reading it's right, I, right, right, right. off camera i will have to show you but oh okay. god it's i mean her thing is very much like the, the written style isn't mm. it like the fact that she's she has to perform it is kind of a shame i mean she's performing it just on her phone or like not, not just like into camera thing rather than like I at see. A gig. Oh sure, sure, sure. But oh, oh. that's even that's that's interesting. It's yeah, you're gonna have to show me. Oh before <laughs> that though, another number please. Um okay, uh six. Six is oh as someone who is a neutral. Wow, I was saying natural, that's the one word. <laughs> as someone who's a neutral in all this, page poetry or performance poetry? Uh, performance poetry, I think. Like, um, almost harking back to the mainstream side of things, like, it's come up in a couple of episodes mm. of, like, poetry is both mainstream and not mainstream because it's taught in schools. Yeah, it's, yeah. How many weddings have someone doing poetry at them, etc. <laughs> all that thing. Like, poetry is not this weird thing that no, no one lives in the basement no. thing. Like, yeah, we do poetry for GCC. Everybody remember those, those AQA books. Yeah, those are, <laughs> those are classics. Those will stay with us forever. Oh God, pulling that AQA as well. I know. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 and like, my, my first like, dealings with poetry besides just your stuff was going to Buckingham Palace for a poetry thing in school. It was very odd that I got chosen ahead of you, by the way. I don't really understand. <laughs> I, don't, I, I wasn't doing as much, I wasn't as much, I wasn't making it as well known back then. That was not yeah, my full brand back then. I don't even remember like how I got chosen. Like it just kind of <laughs> happened. And then I, I ended up going to Buckingham Palace with like the, the three other guys. And yeah, the queen like strolls by and you're like, how did we get here? <laughs> you know, it's just random. But like, yeah, poetry is not, not mainstream. It, it's very much mainstream. It's just the way it's presented. I yeah. think it's the, the, the element here that's different. Yeah, so I guess for you, especially given the whole live music and music side mm. of things, you are enjoying going to events, but you're not quite going like, you might support a poet by buying their book, but you're not necessarily going like, I must read all the poetry. No, no, I mean, yeah, there's, there's so much out there, isn't it? <laughs> like, you can't really get all the poetries, you know? Um, so you can only take what you can, what you come across, and uh, that's up to you. And um, I, I try to take my time with it, but uh, when I do come across it, I tend to always enjoy it, so... Nice. Yeah. Give me another number, please. Uh, 33. 33. Oh, no. I know the answer to this one. This is not an interesting question here. Oh, no. Are you single? No. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, uh, I mean, I, we could, for teasiness factor, go for 
a couple of minutes of tell me about your wife. Oh, uh, that's very cheesy. <laughs> yes, put it, put it in the podcast. Put your love on. Put your love online. Well, I mean, it's going to be our seventh wedding anniversary um, in like was it fourteen days? Mm-hmm. So uh, that that's coming up soon, and she's Canadian and she's great. <laughs> those are the two things in there. Those, Canadian those are the main great. Things. <laughs> I don't know if she want me gushing about her nonstop. Like that's just cringeworthy. I don't so. think that's quite, she's not quite that person that want the gushing uh, over. She, she wouldn't. She just side eye me and like no. <laughs> that is completely fair and fine. Uh, give me another number, please. Uh, let's say seventy eight. Seventy eight years. <laughs> Favorite TV show. Oh, I mean, I'm wearing. I'm about to say, say, we do this. She's wearing his Simpsons themed T-shirt. This T-shirt, I thought because I'm getting filmed, it would be pretty good to wear. So it's something I got online a few years ago. It's the Simpsons doing the B sharps, Mm -hmm. but it's in the style of the Black Flag like insignia. So it's got their font, and it's got like the Black Flag like flag, but it's got their heads on it, and it says B sharps and. I just thought that was ingenious before. And I, I love Black Flag. Thank you for describing it for the audio listeners. <laughs> uh, I wish I could say where you can get it, but I don't know if they do that anymore. So, Soz, I'm just unique now. Fair. Listen, general, are you a big TV guy? Yeah, I mean, I want to say like I'm the hugest TV guy in the world, but like I, I do like TV. I watch TV. <laughs> uh, so if it's not like The Simpsons. Like I've mentioned like the It's Always Sunny podcast before. So I, I love that show, for example. Uh, Arrested Development. Like I rewatched the first three seasons recently. and Not it, the new one. Not the new one. No, I don't, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't have time for the new ones. I rarely had time for season three, you know. like But the first two seasons in particular are like yes. dynamite. They are like I can't recommend that show enough. The amount of times I will to myself reference, I don't know what I expected, and the whole like opening the back. Like, I just uh, found out my cellular telephone is a lemon. <laughs> <laughs> I blew myself. I blew myself. Oh, gosh, yeah. Well, with Genius. Simpsons, is Simpsons also including current and modern day Simpsons? No, I'm a golden age purist. Yeah, yeah. You know, so well. That's like season three to like season nine or ten. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that I didn't watch Simpsons like afterwards because I was growing up with it. And I think growing up, I watched up until uh, 15 or 16, maybe up to like 20. The, the, they won like 30 or something. They won like 32 now. Yeah, it's... You know, so much so that like Julie Kavanagh's voice is not working anymore. <laughs> like it's croaky beyond repair. Uh, they've had to change a lot of the voice actors because of the whole like racial aspect of it as well so well that's good for the actors it's not really good for the charm and like how it was growing up where you got so familiar with a certain voice yeah like again like we overall like that they they're being better but there is some level of the nostalgia of what you remember has changed and like exactly not that your nostalgia trumps that no. stuff but it's just a level of that's a common thing of yeah i like the thing that sounded familiar to me it's it's a familiarity aspect and like that's also how I feel about the jokes. You know, mm. I was familiar with how they were doing jokes before. Mm. They don't do the jokes the same way as they do it now. So they just don't like, they don't touch me in the way that it did before. Mm. And that's not really anyone's fault. It's just the way. Yeah, that, com- like, I mean, just in general, comedy ages comedy so much ages, that it will yeah. change. And- yeah. I mean, it's tough because something like the Simpsons, that golden age has an element of like timelessness to mm. it. Uh, obviously some jokes don't age the best because it's comedy. The study is all this comedy. Yeah. Exactly. But like, there are so many parts of that show that are like, uh, they have that predictive element. Don't they, 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 they're so like in tune with the zeitgeist that like, it just corresponds to many other decades. Despite that. Just a random question on this then. Like, would you say music is more timeless than TV shows? Or, you know, what? it's funny. Cause I was talking to, a colleague of mine she said she doesn't really like watch films or like listen to stuff before 2010 and I was like that's insane (laughs) to me that's crazy but like there is an element of like music can be dated particularly like when you're talking about how things are produced um if you listen to like jazz and stuff from the 60s it has a very particular like style of sound which doesn't quite correspond to how people listen to music today it's a lot of it's quite like compressed and loud whereas back then they didn't really have like 16 tracks they had like eight tracks they had four tracks they had 
mono changing into stereo so they like pan the drums really weirdly and stuff like that so it can be dated um but that's not to say that it can't still be good mm. you know fair give me another number please or uh 99 okay. describe yourself in three words oh no <laughs> <laughs> uh, black <laughs> tall and thin you know what that works yeah I thought physically that would just make the most sense I mean physically it would be the easiest way to go probably the easiest way yeah Uh, I mean like I'm in the two minds of cool slow fire question that's fine also level of like do I want to expand on answers for the sake of expanding on answers for the podcast and like you can do exactly whatever you want to How do you relate to your blackness? Uh, I mean, <laughs> considering the name of your uh, collections. <laughs> Blackish, too black, too fierce. Both available <laughs> for sale now. Yeah, I'm honestly, but by the time you're listening to this, they're both available for sale. <laughs> uh, so I think in blackness, it's, it's, it's a thing that changes per person. Um, so thinking about how, like our relationship and how that looks between us, uh, it's very, very different. Like I'm first generation, uh, my parents come from Ghana. So that's already like a big thing that you just like don't know about. Like that's an experience that is very, very particular. Um, But at the same time, being into the things that I am into and growing up like in the church and how that was on my like personality and where I'm at with that now and all that kind of jazz and stuff like that. it's, It's very, very, difficult (laughs) it's i mean you you see things in the news and you know all that's happened last like five ten years and all that jazz and you you do kind of have to have some harsh words with yourself and with the reality that you're in um but i think i've been quite fortunate in that like it doesn't really affect my day-to-day so growing up in a big metropolitan city like london like obviously there's a high chance of there being like negativity but realistically i'm surrounded by people that look like me all the time so i don't really have that like self-awareness of like that i'm different in any way like i i think being in london actually we're maybe more so not the minority anymore like remember being in school i would say we were the majority i think at Especially when my mum was a governor at Westminster City School, there was definitely a time when I think it was described as 85% non-white. Yeah, that, that's, that rings true. And the, that's kind of like an element of growing up that just meant that I didn't really have to like encounter these issues until way, way later. And even though I'm like in my 30s now, it's not so much a, a thing that I have to deal with or reckon with every single day, which is very, very like, I, I understand the privilege of that. Um, but it's not something I like ignore, you know, it's, it's something to be proud of. It's something to, to aspire to, to loving. So it, it's, it's cool. It's, I've got no issue with it, you know? Cool. Let's do three more questions. So give me cool. another number, please. Uh, 13. 13. What inspires you? Uh, I would say, oh, that's, a, that's a good question as well. Uh, I, I would say what inspires me is just not being able to do everything that I can do right now. Um, so there, there are things that I am looking to accomplish that I don't have the capability of right now. Um, so I think just always trying to improve really is what inspires me and looking at like the things that I personally enjoy and looking at how they cross the cross the desert almost to get to where they are right now um so i think if they could do that with the things that they were given then i could do that with what i've been given which is almost certainly an easy ride uh so yeah just just be able to create and improve really more than anything nice um two more so give me another number please uh 64 because 64 are you good at replying to texts? I'm okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I want to say I'm the best. It depends on what the text is about. <laughs> very selective. I'm very selective. So if it's something that, like, let's say Adair needs very urgently, then I'm like, yeah, I'm going to reply as soon as possible. But if, if someone's like, uh, oh, should we hang out at this point in time? Adair doesn't like, like hanging out with people. No, exactly. Like, 
No. <laughs> or, or maybe I have responded and then they take two weeks and I'm like, oh, so if you're going to take two weeks to respond, I'm going to take two weeks to respond. That's oh, just... I love that pain. I'm, I'm here for that. I'm here for that. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. If, if, if you've taken an hour to respond, I don't have to respond straight away. I can no. take it an hour too. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Like, I mean, some of my friends, they, they, they focus on replying in like a certain time of day or maybe like a certain day of the week so they, they do their correspondence at a very specific time um and that, that's good it's, it's nice to like focus in, in that way but um no, i think it just depends on what it's about more than anything fair enough and i believe then last question 81 um why do you write music oh uh so effects be fairly similar to what inspires me but Mostly just because uh, I, I've always had a kind of desire to be creative and to produce things that haven't really existed in the world before. Um, so uh, it's just kind of nice to be able to to say I've done this out of absolutely nothing, and I've I'm the only one that's like worked on this, and um, I can utilize that to say some of the things that I can't really say in normal conversation, um, and it gives me a way to like. I guess, uh, consider the world and its trials and tribulations um, and just think about like how I want to get my thoughts across for it, even if it's nothing too serious, just to be able to like look at what impacts me day to day and how I like manage it is something that like you can really only do if you are putting something back out. Mm. So I think a lot of it is just like being able to absorb what's around you and once you've expunged that, it's kind of reflecting that in your own way back into the world that has given you like all that has given me. So yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like almost paying my dues in a sense to all that has you know impacted me before. I've had a nice theme so far with process that somehow on some way, the last question has been a nice wholesome one to leave it on. Yeah. And that's fallen into that same pattern as well. So thank you very much for joining me on the process podcast nice. um thank you um you have your camera right in front of you if you want to tell people where you can be found online you are more than welcome to tell people Ooh. well i'm mostly on instagram and that would be at derek's modern life or you can follow my music page at soft construction music um i'm also on streaming services if you do like those <laughs> if you like streaming services sometimes people stop. don't it's true that, that valid point well i have been your host tyrone lewis this has been the process podcast obviously word uh, it always helps if you can support us in any way shape or form we've got all our social medias so we've got facebook we've got twitter or threads or whatever survives at this <laughs> point i don't know what's going to survive it depends on how elon musk works nevertheless we are on the socials we've also got our patreon where that helps us make this this things cost money doing podcasts cost money so if you can spare any money from as little as one pound a month that helps us do the podcast so please support us share us like all that sh shit stuff <laughs> i'm not an influencer i can't do the influencer <laughs> spiel i can't do the content creator spiel but i can say thank you for watching or listening or there was no other, oh, it's watching or listening. There was no other extra here. That is, thank Unless you. Unless someone's watching us right now. Oh, God. I mean, that would be watching, though. That wouldn't mean anything oh, extra. Oh, good point. Hearing? I mean, yeah, again, watching that's or listening. listening. That's, that's listening. Shoot. Touching? That's kind of it. Tasting? Smelling? Don't, don't, don't taste us. <laughs> thank you for smelling us right now. Um, smell you later. Yeah, smell you later. As I oh, I don't have a proper ending for this, but as I'm leaning towards as a kind of ending for this, good night or good day or good evening or good whatever. Night, just... <laughs> Just good. <laughs>